G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And maybe there are going to be more questions raised than answered, but we shall see as we talk about the Great Reset. It is a significant topic to unpack around the emergence out of the dire global consequences of COVID-19 and the accompanying economic crisis. Well, one body called the World Economic Forum is proposing an urgent need for global stakeholders to cooperate in simultaneously managing the direct consequences of the COVID-19 crisis. They're proposing that to improve the state of the world, there needs to be a Great Reset initiative. Now, you might at first glance think that as a Christian, you're excited about a great reset and the concept of building a better world, a sustainable world, a fairer world. So an important discussion today about how Christians think critically about what motives may be in play with an idea like that. Christians are traditionally sceptical about global cooperation initiatives, firstly, because Centralising power and control inevitably leads to authoritarian, tyrannical oppression of dissenting minorities. Secondly, because these ideas look so much like the image of a one-world government that we read about in the Bible, which has evil anti-God intentions, given the leader called the Antichrist is renowned to be a son of Satan and a persecutor of Christians, course, there becomes this important question in this proposal as to who controls a global initiative, reinforcing the biblical idea that power in the hands of an unelected elite will lead to all sorts of bad things. So we'll look for some thoughts today and we'll invite you to be a part of our conversation. Very shortly we'll open our talkback line, but some thoughts today from our special guest through this hour, the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford a theologian, political commentator, radio personality and author, a former lawyer, a long-time advocate for Christian values and he's principal of Australia's largest theological college, Morling Theological College in Sydney. Ross Clifford, a special welcome back to 2020. Good to be with you, Neil. And can I just say, a bit of a plug, Morling is now in Perth as well. Oh, fabulous. Uh, Vos College over there has now joined with us and so we coast to coast, Neil. <laughs> that is fabulous. And uh, Vos College, a wonderful reputation too. And for listeners in the West, uh, they might want to connect there too because, uh, you know, Morling in the East and Vos in the West. Hey, it is a important conversation today, Ross, talking about a great reset. And in some sense here, this looks like an attempt to seize the moment of a COVID-19 crisis to build a better society. Uh, no doubt you've got a few thoughts around what's happening right now, but what are your immediate big picture thoughts about a great reset? Look, it worries me, to tell you the truth, Neil. Uh, not, as you said, everyone's into transformation and change as long as it's considered and appropriate. 
But the Great Reset is about taking our values, I believe, in our systems and transforming them into something that doesn't have any resemblance to how we live our democracies now. And, and that's what worries me, Neil. And can I just say, I don't think this is a new movement. The listeners will remember that when the millennium burst, people talked about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, a whole kind of a new spirituality, a new understanding of the world, a new inclusiveness, a new kind of universal brother and sisterhood, a new faith, a new religion, a new in, you know, inclusive kind of approach the world coming into being now that didn't happen <laughs> i mean there was developments of new spirituality i think with this COVID, people are seeing another opportunity to get to this kind of model that they've been seeking for 20 years ross we're christians and we like the idea of a reset because you know when we come around a communion table uh, the body and blood of Christ, and we come into those times, and they're times of often repentance, and so we think of that as something like a reset that happens in our own hearts and our own lives. So the idea of talking reset is something that actually strikes a chord with Christians, and perhaps here, where we're actually, if there are some negative and bad things about a great reset, uh, we're actually going to have to just think through some of those things, because something strikes a chord, but then something's not quite right. Oh, that's true. And no doubt there is some good things that we would want to hear from those proposing the Great Reset. But overall, Neil, I don't think it's a reset. I think it's a start again. I think it's more a clean slate. I think it's more saying, look, up until date, we've had a horse and cart and Christianity and democracy. We're very important processes for us to have the horse and cart. But now we need a car. And thank you Christianity and democracy, but we're now going off in the car, a new model. So they're not about developing the horse and cart, mate. They're about giving us a totally new model. And I think, you know, we're not standing on the shoulders of giants here with this great reset. Uh, you know, we're looking, I believe, at a whole new value system and structure of how we operate. And that should make us as Christians a little nervous, I suspect, here, and we'll get into some more of this, but the main criticism I picked up has been that a Great Reset represents uh, a socialist, globalist conspiracy in which a small, transnational, unelected elite are cooking up a self-serving agenda for global control and dominance at the expense of the rest of us. Uh, now, uh, that I think that quote came from uh, an article I was reading from the Gospel Coalition that wrote an article about this sort of thing. But this idea of a socialist globalist conspiracy, is it, uh, is it beyond uh, the pale to be thinking of it like that, Ross? Look, I think it's beyond conspiracy. Um, I, I know what you mean by the word conspiracy, Neil. I think we're dealing with fact. Uh, I mean, conspiracies are hidden. Uh, th this has been revealed. Uh, this is showing us what is intended. And no doubt you've got people with good motives all the way through the, the Great Reset. But it's not a reset. It's a, it's a whole new day, a new slate. And so therefore, I think you have, as usual, see the World Economic Forum, people might think, oh, World Economic Forum, that's a massive gathering of significant people. No, it's a think tank. 
And so think tanks are a gathering of elite in a particular area and they think about how they think the world ought to be and they publish papers and they go around telling everybody you know, what they think is best for us and society and the community. And so this is a think tank, the World Economic Forum, and they are putting forward at this time of coronavirus, we need something that is not capitalist, we need another set of values, we need to prioritise climate change, uh, we need to move away from ownership of stuff. I mean, all of that kind of process is in this great reset. It is very big. And when you talk about a whole new slate, Ross, and we might ask what that means for the Christian values that have actually shaped and established Western civilization. Because when you talk about a whole new set of values, starting afresh with everything, uh, I suspect it doesn't include the Christian values that we are so in defence of. Oh, look, it wouldn't eventually, because again, the Christian values, uh, Neil, in these kind of conversations are seen as very worthy values to get us to where we are. You know, not perfect, but for them, very worthy. But now we need a new set, an inclusive set, not exclusive, a set that welcomes all genders and, you know, sexual choices and whatever, whatever you want, and, you know, totally inclusive, and Christianity can't deliver the value systems that they want. You can already see this appearing in the media and elsewhere, even though they're not part of the Great Reset as such. So, yeah, it's a, it won't have Christianity at its base, uh, nor will it have uh, d- a democracy at its base, nor capitalism at its base. Well, that's interesting on this idea of capitalism because capitalism is one of those foundations that's really been the engine room of Western civilization too. And, of course, we can trace that back to Christian understandings. And while today we might think of capitalism needing levels of reform and Christians holding to the idea of an ethical capitalism, in other words, capitalism with some Christian values uh, mixed in there, uh, the idea of getting rid of capitalism altogether leaves the other side, the socialist idea, and that's actually proven to have failed on so many Uh, different uh, historical accounts Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole capitalism thing because uh, because a lot of people would be very nervous about the idea of doing away with the engine room of what western civilization has been built on yeah look i like your thought neil that uh, we need to be critical of capitalism and we need to make sure that it's broad-based and and cares for those who are disadvantaged and the like but it is the base of our democracy and democracies tend to be societies based on that kind of movement and if people go back to the reformation they need to remember martin luther when martin luther said to the catholic church that he cannot abide by their understanding of scripture and he's making a stand on his own conscience Neil, that was totally unique. That was a feudal society. That was a a socialist society. No one made it stand on the basis of their own uniqueness or their own conscience. They went along with what the feudal lord and the structure said. And from that movement, here I stand, here I personally stand from Luther, capitalism started to be born, where people took responsibility for their own lives, their own relationship with God, um, tried to do that in the context of building good community. But we are people who thrive when we take responsibility for who we are. 
our choices, our decisions, our responsibilities with good you know, welfare and other protections. Mate, this is going to slit this right, <laughs> right off the map. Well, you know, even the idea of owning private property is a biblical idea, and a lot of people tend not to know that, Ross. It's, uh, we take it for granted that we can own a house, that we can own a car, that we have things that we can keep under lock and key. Owning private property is a Christian idea because we can go to the Tenth Commandment and uh, talk about covetousness and we're called not to covet our neighbour's property. In other words, our neighbour has the right to own private property. So when we've got something like a socialist state rising that says you no longer own your property, the state owns all the property and we'll rent it to you or you'll give you some sort of use of it, that flies in the face of a Christian value base. Yeah, look, people just think about the Old Testament and the way the Old Testament operated, and that continues into the New Testament. I don't want to get too complicated here, Neil. But people would know about the law of Jubilee. So if you and I had a piece of property and we decided to sell it off somewhere or mortgage it, we could only do that for 49 years. After 50 years, it came back to the family, came back to family ownership. Why? Because God understood for us to live our lives successfully and to keep his values and system, we needed to be resourced. And so we needed to have the resources, the property and the freedom to be able to live and to be people that could honor him. And so God started the world that way with saying, well, you can't even get rid of the property that you, I've given you and that you own and you work and whatever. Even after 49, if you try to do that after 49 years, you get it back again. <laughs> so yeah. rather than saying no one owns anything, God's making sure everybody gets their property back. I mean, it's totally contrast to that. And, and God's saying in the Old Testament as well, you know, the family's important for the role of developing society and learning in Deuteronomy 5 about the values of God. And God is absolutely essential to that. You need property and resources to live my life and I've given them to you. You need family and community to make sure that uh, you know, you're living well together and you need to have that focus on me because I'm the one who gives you the power, the resource and whatever. Mate, those three areas are just ripped apart in the Great Reset. I hope I'm not sounding too aggressive because I know there are some good people and good principles in it. But, mate, we're at a stage of battle for ideas and we either stand up and battle or, you know, wave goodbye. And interesting, and uh, I don't want to throw a spanner in the works or muddy the waters here, but it's interesting, isn't it, to talk about a law of jubilee, which you described so eloquently and uh, wonderfully, Ross. But some people will say, well, a law of jubilee, that not that just like a big, great reset? And, and so some Christians will get a little confused in there and say, well, it sounds like a good initiative, but at this point it's not God giving back to your family the asset resource that you own. It's the state taking it away from you that they're talking That's about. Right. That's absolutely right. So yeah, after 49 years, it's not saying, well, actually, you've lost the property forever from your family. You'll never own anything else, but we're going to manage renting for you. And uh, we'll make sure that you get the food and rental you need and you'll all work you know, under our conditions. <laughs> That's a clean slate. Uh, the law of Jubilee was the family getting the property back because God actually understood that to live life and to live his values, community and families need to be resourced, Neil. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. 
talking about perhaps one of the most important things we could talk about at the end of this COVID-19 year because of what is being proposed into the new year. Our special guest is the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford. We're talking about the Great Reset that is being proposed and there is going to be a meeting in January in Davos uh, that will bring this sort of thing no doubt more and more to the fore. Our special guest is uh, Ross Clifford and Ross if we're talking about the idea that it's a scary thing that elites and that there might be some level of controlled centralized government taking control over everything uh, it's all very well as a Christian to shout that that's bad and wrong let's talk about what the Christians might propose Uh, as an alternative, because we have some powerful things from the biblical foundation, things like the cultural mandate and the sorts of things we might associate with having dominion that was given to Adam and Eve and passed down through generations. What are your thoughts about Christians and how we might think about what ought to happen? Oh, good point, uh, Neil. We go back to Genesis 1 and 2, and I'm actually writing a book on Genesis 1 and 2, comparing it to what it means to live the resurrection life. And Jesus in the resurrection life tells us to capture again in our lives and our communities all the truthfulness of Genesis 1 and 2 and the orders that he put in place there, like good marriage, support of the family, make sure that the work conditions are right and and people are honoured in their work and and people receive a a Sabbath, a rest, and to make sure that we do take care of the land and we're good stewards, responsible stewards in the way that we operate and to make sure that we honour each other and our relationships are good. I mean, all of what we read, Neil, in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 1 and 2, is what we need to make sure, with the Spirit of God, we're advocating our world and our community because the resurrected Christ is restoring creation that was lost. Now, we wait for the second coming of Jesus for that to find its final and perfect form. But my gosh, mate, in the meantime, we're out there with the power of the Spirit really giving it our best shot. And Neil, Let's not be overly critical. The church has done this for years. I mean, look at education. Uh, Look at the process of hospitals. I mean, what's the seed for those? It's the Christian church, the Christian movement, understanding the need to have that cultural mandate. And I remember listening, I think it was to Tim Costello, who was a CEO of World Vision, saying something like 90% plus of all charity kind of movements that began in Australia uh, began from Christian you know, ministers or Christian organisations. Ninety percent. I look at the movement with respect to freedom for slavery. Christian. Uh, the RSPCA, and we all honour, I'm sure, the RSPCA and the great work they did. In this country and elsewhere, Neil, people might not be aware, that was set up by people like Wilberforce, who was part of the, uh, the anti-slavery movement, and by, by ministers of religion in this country. So we have a wonderful heritage of caring for God's creation, ensuring safety for people in the workforce, and making sure education and medicine is valued. But we've got to keep going, mate. Got to keep going because the Great Reset will tell us, yeah, time for something else. We've done a poor job. Ross, just a little uh, diversion here. You're cracking up a little bit, and I'm not sure whether that's because you might be moving around your office. Uh, but uh, just to let you know, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we might have to have a little break if uh, if that continues. But uh, okay. just yep, uh, well, let's hope that uh, corrects itself because I think it's uh, not coming from this end. It might be happening from your office. 
Let me just ask you, because uh, when we talk about uh, the idea of what the church does and uh, the idea of evangelism, and some people, they have a very narrow idea of that. It's sharing a message and having people respond. And yet, as you say, what happened at the beginning of the colonial foundations of Australia All of the charities that were set up, 90%, as you say, were Christian charities and there was a Christian ideal and it's this idea of bringing the kingdom. And so the influence on every aspect of life and caring for the poor and building families, all sorts of great stuff that's a part of the motivations there, uh, that's got to continue somehow because withdrawing from that doesn't... Uh, doesn't help the future of Australia, does it? Because we need to be, be keeping on, keeping on with this idea of dominion. Oh, absolutely. And the challenge for Christians today, Neil, is not to have a kind of um, thought that, you know, I, I, I give my life to Jesus and that's it. And the next thing I worry about is when I get to heaven. Uh, Jesus has called us to live for him now in our anticipation of heaven. So, I mean, we're transformation agents, Neil. Uh, we're agents of healing. <laughs> uh, we're people who should be ensuring that the values are out there and being lived. And one of the saddest things, of course, is with respect to the sexual abuse in some churches, uh, the world saw a different thing than, than what they would anticipate as being our values and what would drive us. So we, we have, we've rectified that. The churches are involved. Uh, many have apologised for that, but we need to keep moving, Neil, to make sure we represent the, kingdoms of, uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, Ross, you are continuing to break up there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song and uh, we'll see if we can reset that because I know so many listeners will be interested in every word and if it's not easy to listen to, it, it won't be so, uh, so effective and so good. Uh, so let me just uh, play a song. Uh, we'll see if I'll, I'll try and get you on a different line and we'll uh, hopefully correct this issue for listeners. Uh, we can't neglect what's happening uh, by putting a head in the sand here. What are your thoughts? Uh, totally, Neil. And movements like the Great Reset will only have breath if we fail to live out what we've been called to do. They will fill in the gap. They will take that space, Neil. So it's absolutely important that we give them no space, no territory, because people say, well, we don't need this great reset. Look at all the wonderful things the Christian church is doing. Look at all the wonderful things that's happening in in good uh, Christian-based democracies and those who know the power and the influence of God. So remember, people like Toynbee said, Neil, that Islam and Marxism, who was a great historian, only found their legs because of the failure of the church to meet the needs of its hour. Wow. So either we continue to advance with the kingdom of God because, you know, wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. We have the message of reconciliation, the message of grace, the message of the gospel. We can either advance or we could be in retreat. And that's a big risky thing to be in retreat. Absolutely. Remember resurrection, Neil, and you'll know that's one of my themes. We are resurrection people. Jesus just didn't die for us on the cross. He certainly did that. He took our sin, but he also rose again to empower us to live the resurrection life now as we we, uh, await his return. And we need a whole generation of people saying we are resurrection people. We understand the power of the Spirit in our lives. We understand the need to care for our neighbor, our friend, our brother, the underprivileged. We're going to follow the history of the evangelical church with respect to uh, outlawing slavery and caring for the poor and caring for God's creation. We'll do that with the power of the Spirit. 
And when you find forgiveness of God in Christ on the cross, join us in a movement that will say to the Great Reset, See you later, alligator. There's no need for you. Let's take a call. Uh, one of our listeners been waiting very patiently. Jonathan is in Perth. Let's hear from Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yeah, hello, Neil. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you see, when it's good to be good, it's good to do all these things, exactly what you say. If we want to do charity or do other things and forget about what Jesus said, that uh, doing this good with our God is waste of time. We salvation is a first priority. Yes, we will not change the world. Adam Adam fell, according to the speaker, in Genesis chapter one and two, three men fell. After that, everything we are doing, they are not the first priority. God gave it to us, we are to enjoy them, but salvation is first priority of our lives. Jonathan, good thought there. Uh, Let's just pick up on that because, as Jonathan says, salvation first priority and uh, some of these other initiatives, and I think we're talking along the lines of that cultural uh, mandate here. Uh, Ross, a thought or two for Jonathan? Oh, look, I totally agree with Jonathan. It's absolutely essential that we get the message of the death and resurrection of Jesus out there and see people one to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word couldn't agree more, Neil, but saved for what? And we're certainly saved for eternity, no question about that, but we're also saved to live for Jesus now. We're also saved to be the light upon the hill. We're also saved to be the light that breaks into darkness. We're also saved to show people what the way of the kingdom looks like, and that's really important today. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves really living in adverse situations and it's the best thing for our community and we've done that historically okay well jonathan thank you so much for your call it's a good contribution and there may be other callers on 1-800-316-316 you can also leave a note on our facebook post today at facebook.com forward slash vision radio we're talking about this great reset Uh, ross when we when we have a great reset and we're talking about a socialist reset that displaces anything that looks capitalistic, anything that looks like it's founded on Christian values. The idea of a humanist utopia, the idea that uh, humans on their own can make things perfect without God, that seems to be the way that uh, we would be interpreting the sorts of things they'd be discussing at the World Economic Forum. Any thoughts on those sorts of ideas? Yeah, look, uh, uh, we need to remember, Neil, that... uh Somebody wrote that when God dies, we die. Um, And so, I mean, the death of God will mean the death of values and the death of uh, uh, civil responses uh, in a way that makes our community rich. So, I mean, these are high risk. What I would think would happen, Neil, this is, you know, I'm not claiming to be a prophet, uh, you know, but with inside all of us, there's this deep spiritual yearning and longing and Marxism or socialism or whatever it is has never survived on its own and i would think that what would happen if the great reset took place is that there would be an anti-religion that would start to develop a very inclusive uh take whatever you want kind of spirituality anything that empowers you to live um you know in the sense of harmony that they're trying to create so i don't think it'll be godless in the end because i don't think people live godless lives ultimately 
they'll just pick up some false gods. False gods. And let me just bring us to biblical ideas here about the end times events. And uh, these are very, very interesting. In fact, one commentator said, uh, you know, I've given, up, uh, l- I've given up looking for the signs of the end times. I've started listening for the trumpet uh, because there are some things that are quite so obvious connected with the, image that we, the imagery that we get from the Bible. What are your thoughts around this idea of one world government, the idea of a rising antichrist? And uh, it does seem to be that that is a possibility of where we're headed. Oh, look, all things are possible in today's world, Neil, because we're just so connected. Uh, you know, you don't have to be a faculty member at Morling to live in Sydney. You could be in Perth, you could be in Los Angeles, you could be in London, uh, because we just can take classes and connect in ways that could never be imagined before. So we certainly set up for a much more global kind of uh, government and governance. But I think ultimately, Neil, whether this is the hour or not, only God knows, but we need to look at the signs we need to say that we would not be surprised if it was now and i think that's what we need to say we would not be surprised i am surprised though neil i must say that in the churches that i go to and they do a lot of great stuff i don't hear a lot today on what are the signs of the times not saying you know you've got to get yourself in a foxhole it's going to happen tomorrow but saying christ gave us these signs so we'd be aware We'd be watching. We'd be motivated. But I don't know about you, mate, but I'm not hearing much about it. Well, I know, and some churches, some listeners will be saying, well, my church, uh, well, they spoke on that a month or two ago, and others will saying, we haven't heard that for years. Uh, There might even be others who are hearing that all the time and missing some of the other stuff. So, uh, you know, it's difficult to get the the right balance. But I'm with you on that. Uh, We need to hear a lot more about these signs, because if you go to Matthew chapter 24, there are obvious things. They're just, you know, quoting the words of Jesus out of those about what to look for in those times. And one of those things, of course, uh, that Jesus said in Matthew 24 was, take care that no one deceives you. And there is likely to be levels of deception, especially if you understand a foundation of Christian truth. Let's take another call, Ross. Simon is on the line from the Barossa Valley in South Australia. Hi, Simon. Welcome. How you going there? Um, Good. I just, I'd just like to say that you know we've got to look at it from a biblical, you know, scripture upon scripture point of view, and the Great Reset they're calling it, but it's uh, basically a one world order. That's what they're pushing for, and um, all the great reformers like Luther, or even before Luther, Husk, and that all pointed that um, the little horn Antichrist of Daniel chapter seven was the papacy. And when we look at uh, Revelation chapter 13, it says that beast would strike a mortal wound, but the mortal wound would be healed and the whole world would marvel after the beast. Now, that means the whole world is going to worship and marvel. So there's going to be a false worship system, just like in the time of Elijah having the showdown on Mount Carmel. So... We've got to always have in perspective it's going to be a spiritual showdown, this last showdown, and you've got to look at the papacy and what part they're going to play because they're a false um, religious um, system which uses uh, governments of the world to type of do their dirty work, so to speak. And we look at the Dark Ages and we see that that wound's going to be healed and look at today and that wound is almost healed because so many leaders 
are going to meet with the Pope soon as they become leaders even by Simon, interesting perspectives there and I know that our Catholic listeners won't be very thrilled uh, to hear you saying those things and it is a dimension and a perspective that is worthy of discussion uh, but a lot of people might say just as you can argue the papacy uh, you can argue Islam and of course you can argue the rise of a communist leader a socialist leader uh, Ross your thoughts here for Simon Look, Simon, I'd agree with this aspect without naming, I mean, where this spirituality will come from. But what I said before the break is I don't believe if the Great Reset gets where it wants to go, it will be godless. They're talking godless language now, but I don't believe the human spirit actually thrives on anything godless. Rather, they'll create their false gods, much more, you know, a sort of a smorgasbord spirituality uh, spirituality that allows us to, you know, meditate and do all sorts of other things, but not a Christian spirituality. But I, I do agree with you uh, in the sense that this will not be a spirit-less, uh, spiritual-less uh, movement, even though they're advocating that now. Uh, you know, there, there, there will be battles going on with antichrists, and that's what Scripture makes very clear. Simon, thank you so much for your contribution today. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's just keep on this theme for a moment here, Ross. The idea of a one-world religion... And uh, we might say that Christians will be inoculated from that because we'll know the truth. The truth will set us free. Uh, but we can see around the world examples of a religious system. I'm thinking of North Korea where they have a Juche system of, uh, it's like emperor worship. We're familiar of the Bible imagery that we come from uh, from Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. But that's a similar sort of thing that, that happens in North Korea. And it's a religious system that that controls the people. And every time you see those images of the people in North Korea, they're all smiling and uh, with wonderful tears of joy as the great leader passes by. And there's this uh, this idea that the leader is godlike. What are your thoughts for what may come with a false religion? Because that seems to be the way that we'd have to go if they're going to captivate the hearts and minds of the whole world. Oh, look, good point. Uh, my sense is, though, this movement will seek to be positive and seek to say, this is where we've got to go, we're the new day, we're the new order, Christianity and uh, capitalism, they gave a good shot, they were the necessary thing before we uh, came upon, uh, you know, the earth and before we are the ones that, that take leadership. So, you know, we're the next stage and I think you'll find that kind of positive kind of approach not totally negative, but in that kind of positive approach, there will be a spirituality and there will be a uniformity and it will be deceptive, I believe, Neil. I think when I look at the Antichrist, it's deceptive. It's not actually what we would necessarily expect. People will be warmed to the person and, uh, or the movement. And one of, my, one of my concerns is, Neil, that in churches and Christian organisations, Often you find movements and uh, spiritualities that are not of God finding a home and a place with people not even knowing what they're doing, uh, have no idea that they're involved in such a thing. And, and schools and even Christian schools using programs, some of it might be helpful for the advancement of the student, but underneath it uh, is all sorts of alternative spiritualities at its base. And so I, I think you're already in many ways open 
to a new spirituality. And I'm sad to say, I think it happens in some of our churches. There's a lack of critical, honest evaluation of things there often. It's why we are always encouraging come back to a Bible foundation because those are the only words that are not open to change and uh, when you've got governments wanting to uh, uh, take even authority over what passages you can read from the Bible you know that that is a risky thing and that actually is happening in Australia now with these moves in Victoria. Let me just ask you though Ross because uh, when we talk about the rise of a one world government system and uh, very uh, charismatic leaders who would be leading this and whether we're talking too about the rise of a one world religion very charismatic leaders that promise good things it will all look wonderful and as you say i think you use the word warm ross it'll feel warm it'll feel fuzzy these are the things we ought to do but this is a movement away from a biblical foundation of truth and when you stand up to that Uh, If you don't stand up to those movements, you'll be fine. But if you do stand up to those movements, you'll be crushed. This is where Christian persecution comes in here. And it's interesting, and I'll just lead you along this way, this idea that we give up our freedoms very, very easily and we open ourselves to the deception that may well lead to our own bondage under these sorts of leaders. What are your thoughts for the way we give our freedoms away so easily? Oh, I think we've seen it over the last nine months, Neil. Now, I'm not in any way seeking to be critical of what processes were put in place with respect to uh, uh, the uh, COVID-19, and, and you know, I'm not going into the shutdowns or whatever. That's for another day. But what concerned me the most uh, was how quickly the community was, uh, was willing to abdicate all power to a Premier, whoever the Premier happens to be. And Parliament's not even sitting. And as my uh, friend Kel Richard said, we went from democracy to bureaucracy. We are no longer being governed by government, but we're being governed by a health department. Now, it doesn't mean that they weren't doing good things, but democracies are not governed by by health departments or anything else. They're they're governed by Parliament. They're governed by democracy. Now, I, you know, we, we, we're very privileged for the leaders we have and, and, and how we are placed now in the COVID-19. But I think there's warning signs there, Neil, that shows how easy and quickly uh, people actually move power over to somebody because they're fearful. And uh, that, that's what we've got to be aware of because if they're saying democracy doesn't work, climate change is upon us, uh, all of these things are happening, we need a new day, we need something inclusive, Uh, We've already seen how quickly people are prepared to transfer power. There's a media involved in all of this too. And interesting because you say democracy is a good system and there is a certain sense in which there's a weakness. Uh, It's good because you can remove a tyrannical leader because the people can vote. You know, the people Mm. have some power. But if there's a mass delusion on the people, they're not going to vote the way that will get rid of the tyrannical power. And this is where the media comes in. And uh, a very negative media can drive the emotions of a nation or it can drive the emotion of the nation towards this warmth and wonderfulness of a whole new day and a great reset. What are your thoughts around the media here? Spot on. Watch it over the next few months, as you say, in January on the Great Reset. Look at all the positive things that they'll be saying about it. Oh, conspiracy. No, no, no. They'll be saying that's just right-wing nonsense. 
when really the agenda is moving away from democracy, moving away from Christian values, moving away from ownership, moving into a much more global understanding of control of our world. And, my, you know, they'll go along with that and, and we'll be pressurised because I watch how the media now respond to the issues with respect to gay marriage and, um, um, uh, you know, uh, conversion therapy uh, with respect to sexuality. It's like, well, you little people out there who disagree with us, I mean, it's, well, go away, please. I mean, and, and in many sense, we're in fear of that. And so I just think that Australians and Christians need to stand up. But this conversion therapy that's seeking to go through in Victoria, Queensland, hopefully not New South Wales, I mean, it controls prayer even of what people can pray for, what churches can pray for. It and is diabolical. Part of an Australian state legislation. Oh my gosh, hey, Russ, we're almost out of time, and uh, we could talk on and on. But let's come to this idea. Well, you know, we've talked about a lot of things this hour, and uh, listeners might want to re-listen. They'll be able to do that on a podcast later. But some will say, "Well, it's all beyond me. I don't have any control about what's going on in the government. I've got no control over the states or the federal legislation." And uh, surely they'll be thinking our leaders will have uh, some way to see through a deception like this that could come, that will take away all of our freedoms and take all away our property rights and such things. But what do we do? Uh, let's come right back down to the individual and to families. What can we do to protect our own individual thinking and our families as these things begin to unfold into the new year? Uh, what are your thoughts around routines and uh, the sorts of things that a family can do? First, we believe in the power of the family and the power of the one. The World Economic Forum was initially set up by one person. And look what we're talking about now. So believe that people committed to Christ together with the risen Christ, what we can do in our society and how we can overcome forces that are anti-God and anti-Christ. So first of all, have a strong belief in what we can do together, understand the signs of the times, understand the place of persecution, and understand that no matter what happens, what God calls us to do is to be faithful, to faithful, to live for him, to be a disciple for him, to advocate for him, to share the gospel, people say for him. And if we keep doing that faithfully, Neil, God will take care of the rest. What about the idea of, you know, don't stop attending your local church. Don't stop championing the cause that your church stands for and supporting your local pastor. I mean, I think uh, there's going to be some people who are close to us in our community that are going to be influential here. And uh, and some people will say, maybe I should you know, stop going to my church. They're not talking about these things like Ross is saying we should. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, about attending church and being supporters of the church at this time? Oh, look, be supporters of your church, your local church. Be supporters of your pastor. Just ask to have a, a conversation with the pastor. Talk through the issues. Uh, be involved. Or, if need be, find a place where you think uh, that kind of sensible gospel activities taking place, but don't abandon the church. Don't abandon the people of God. We're not called, uh, Neil, to do this on our own. And pastor your church, mate, you know, it's a tough gig today. I mean, many gigs are. There's all sorts of people want influences and what you say and you don't say. So don't go in there like a bull in a china shop with the pastor. Take him out for coffee. Have a 
have a sit with him. Say, what do you think about the global reset or the Great Reset? I mean, what can we say about that? Can we have some positive messages about, you know, Christians and society and, and what our mandate is and, and how we live for Jesus strongly? Um, I mean, that's what I'd be doing. That's what I'd be saying to my students here too. Uh, you know, take the lead, Neil. I mean, if we don't take the lead, then, as I said, if we don't take the lead, then don't be surprised when the Great Reset does. Wow. Uh, Ross, we are running out of time. I mentioned in the introduction you are the principal of the largest theological college in Australia. It's the Morling Theological College. Uh, you're in Sydney, and now you've got a sister college in in WA, the Vos College in WA. Uh, is this a is this a time? And I mean, here's a here's your opportunity for a free kick here, Ross. Is there an opportunity for people to study in any ways to deepen their ideas about what it is to get these foundations in place as a Christian, and even to perhaps even have some conversations, the sorts of things we're having today? What does what do you do if you're connecting with Morling Theological College? Yeah, absolutely. Go to the website uh, Morling College, and you'll see all the details. From unaccredited courses, certificate, uh, single units, uh, how you can access some of the seminars we have, but how you can also enrol in degrees online, face to face, diplomas, and also, Neil, um, you know, how we operate with staff and faculty. So it's all there. And this is an age, Neil, where we need people who know the Word of God, know the Scriptures, and know how to take a stand on the Scriptures and, and, and know what it is to live a strong, spirit-filled life uh, resting on the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, mate, look, be equipped. If you think you're not equipped, then I encourage you, go to our website or go to another college website, but take the opportunity to be equipped. It always amazes me, the people who go to a Bible college, Ross, they're not all people who have some aspiration for a career as a ordained minister in a denomination. Often it's people who just want a firm foundation on which to build their lives. And so you can choose that. You can get those firm foundations or you can go on to some deeper studies that might equip you and prepare you for higher ministry. Uh, do you know any, is there any sort of breakdown? Are the people that studying at Morling, are they, uh, they mums and dads or are they people out of school and getting ready for life? Who's studying at Morling? Uh, all of the above, but you're quite right. I mean, we have a legal service here now on campus uh, that operates for people in uh, domestic violence and abuse situations, and all of the three lawyers are morning graduates. Uh, we have housewives, uh, house parents, we have, uh, you know, teachers, uh, and we have people leaving school. So, you know, it's about equipping everyone, Neil, and about equipping people for their particular need, because all of us are ministers, some of us are called to be pastors and ministers of churches, but all of us are called to be ministers of God ministers in our vocation. So whether we're raising kids at home or working in a bank or, you know, in a law court or pastoring a church, we need to know and make sure that we know the gospel, know the word of God, this is the age where we will be tested. Ross Clifford is the principal of the Morling Theological College and the sister college to Vos College in WA. Uh, Ross, the website... Morling, M-O-R-L-I-N-G dot E-D-U dot A-U. M-O-R-L-I-N-G dot E-D-U dot A-U. Ross Clifford, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. God bless you, Neil. Good to be with you. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.